Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. I am Yamla, your host, your guide, a teacher for some and a soft place to fall for others. And I was a miserable failure in my relationships until I loved myself enough to be able to share my love with other people. Welcome to The R Spot, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Greetings, I am Ianla Van Zant. Welcome back to the R Spot. My guest today, relationship certified, relationship <laughs> and dating coach, Stefan. And we're talking about some of the little intricate details and potholes that go into relationships. I had a whole thing that I wanted to talk to you about, <laughs> but I've surrendered. We're going where we're going. Okay. We were talking about uh, clearing up trauma, yeah. clearing up emotional um breakdown, if you will, and how to do it and why we need to do it. The real issue is people lack healing. The woman who cannot process her emotions is because she has blockage. That blockage is due to the trauma that she experienced and has not resolved and flushed out of her or system. Or that she just hasn't been taught to. Well, I, taught to, yes, but I do think that there's a... I, I was literally on the phone last night with a close friend, and she's been holding on to the same trauma for ye- forever. But did she know it was trauma? Yes. She's fully aware. It's just that it's scary to have to face oh, that absolutely, hurt. absolutely. And have to go through that place and again. And you don't know how to. You don't know how to, as well as I believe part of the reason why it's even harder for some women is going back to what we first talked about. Women are impacted emotionally more. Women having... So the same way you said uh, the feeling of inadequacy can crush a man, Right. A woman having to look herself in the mirror and say, I was wrong or I, you know, I made these mistakes or I did this. That's hard because she's internalizing it so much. Women of color. Let me not say black because I'm black, brown and red. Here's what I want to put out so that you can share with the brothers. Mm -hmm. And so that in defense of my sisters (laughs) is the last thing that a woman of color can own is that there's something wrong with her because we are programmed and conditioned to believe that who we are is wrong. We're wrong from the jump. We're wrong because our butt a bit is big, although people are now buying butts. We're wrong because our hair is nappy, although so people are straightening and weaving it. We're wrong. We are, we are wrong as who we are. We're not, if we're not light, if we're not frail, if we're not whatever the overall You know, society, black women, brown women, red women are taught, programmed, and conditioned in the matrix to believe that we are wrong as who we are. So it's challenging, difficult for us as women to admit that we've done something wrong Mm -hmm. because that's almost like acknowledging I am wrong. Does that make sense? Yes. And I I also think... What adds to it, and this is not just for black women, but just for people in general, is 
when you have lived with your trauma for so long, you create an identity and you believe this is who you are. So for example, if you're a woman who experienced trauma and now you have a very negative attitude, all right? You're very sharp with your tongue. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> I think I had this fight with you in the video too. <laughs> but that's all right. First of all, if you live with the trauma, Mm -hmm. Part of the challenge is we own it and make it ours. Mm -hmm. And that's why we can't get rid of it. It's not yours. It's an experience. So if you own and live with the trauma, what are we talking about? Sexual abuse, physical violence, physical neglect. I'm raising my great-grandson, uh, who is a mixed-race male, and learned about the trauma caused by the deprivation of nutrition. Hmm. the deprivation of nutrition because of the way his mother ate, didn't eat, and what she had to go through to get food and how that shows up for him. Do you know how many women and men of color and or just poverty have trauma from the deprivation of nutrition, mm -hmm. not knowing where your next meal is coming from, food scarcity? Mm -hmm. That's a trauma that so many of us don't even recognize and understand. So I just wanted to say that. But anyway, so her tongue may be sharp yes, so because she was deprived nutrition. I don't know that to be true. And, 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 and that's fine. <laughs> but what happens is when you create this identity from that trauma. Based on the trauma. Mm -hmm. And you have to face the idea or the, the, the prospect of now removing that trauma. You're afraid of, well, then who am I after Who am this? I going to be? Exactly. Who am I going to be? Will I be enough? Without this. Yes. And, and and how do I navigate life without this? Like, it, it becomes the fear of the unknown. I don't, un, I don't know what's waiting for me on the other side. So one of the people I was recently speaking to, that's literally what she was saying. Like, I'm, I'm just afraid. I don't know what to expect. And I'm like, listen, you, all we know is that you will have more peace. And from there, things can start to fall into place. You can't get to a better place until you fully heal and release this trauma. Don't overthink it. Don't look too far ahead. Let's just focus on addressing these very specific issues. I think also what has caused it, created a more difficulty with facing our traumas is people have piled up so much of it. So the analogy I like to use is people keep stuffing things in their emotional closet and the closet is getting bigger and bigger. And so now when you try to pull one thing out, everything, everything and you down. just are overwhelmed. Yeah. And like, I can't do this. And I had to tell us, I like, listen, you got to go in that closet Crack the door, pull one thing out real quick, deal with that one thing. Go back, pull the next thing out. Sooner or later, the door is getting lighter and lighter. And now what's ever left, you would have worked through all the big stuff. Then now it's going to be easy to open the door. The less that pours out, you'll get through it just fine and you're good. Well, I, I have an even better, better process than that that I put on my sun salutations. This is a shameless plug in commercial. <laughs> on my sun salutations meditation album, surrender it all. Mm -hmm. Surrender it all and ask for grace. Surrender it all and ask for grace. Because the truth of the matter, even pulling it out and choosing what you are going to deal with puts you in control and not God's source created the Holy Spirit. Because mm -hmm. if you really knew what you needed, you would have done it a long time ago. Yeah. So I say surrender it all. And I say, Holy Spirit, go in the closet and get what, what you think I need to hear right now. Which brings me to another point that I want to make right after this break. <laughs> <laughs> 
Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome back to the R Spot. Let's pick up where we left off. This is a thing that I want to ask you about men and trauma. Because so many of us are broken and wounded and traumatized. Mm -hmm. And where better do we find that out than in our relationships? Mm -hmm. You bring all your baggage and your monogram luggage (laughs) (laughs) into your relationship. Mm -hmm. People don't mind digging through their baggage, but they hold their monogram luggage very tightly. Yeah. You know, it's expensive. <laughs> I've paid dearly for this. Um, and I have a saying in my in my world that I live by, and it's that a man who is not accountable to somebody is a danger to himself and everyone else. And Stefan, so many men are not accountable mm-hmm. for their trauma, for their behavior, for their wounding. The wounds that they inflict. Talk to me about men and accountability to themselves, for themselves, for their behavior. We, what's <laughs> <laughs> well, I think so. One, me being a, a a man of God, I believe that the accountability comes from having God in your life. Yes. Um, regardless of what specific belief system you have, if you have a God, if you have a higher power that creates the accountability that a man really needs to stay on a certain path. I do think a lot of men today are getting caught up in the battle of accountability. So basically it's, oh, well, the women don't take accountability while they're not taking accountability themselves. And it's just going back and forth and people not realizing you, you can only control you. So you need to focus on, are you doing what you're supposed to do? I also think that for a lot of men, when it comes to when you said inflicting the wounds, a lot of men do are not aware of the wounds they inflict. Yes. They do not understand. Part of that is just due to their own ignorance. Some of that is due to brainwashing, in my opinion. All right? and and Tell me more. Tell me more about so, the brainwashing of the brain. So not to, not to bring it all the way back to the sex, but the sex is a great example. Back to sex all we right? go. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things I think that has caused brainwashing and creates this wound infliction in the many cases is telling men women want sex just like they do. All right. Who said that? There's a lot of people who say that. There, mm-hmm. I was even at once many years ago flown into, uh, I won't say which site, but it was a very popular dating site. There was 12 of us and they had this whole presentation. And one of them was a scientist, well-renowned, best-selling author. And she pointed out a study that said the women wanted sex just as much as men. And I jumped in and I was like, no, 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 that can't be right. I said, what they're doing is they're conflating 
intimacy with sex. And what women want is the intimacy. And what they're accustomed to is not being able to get the intimacy without the sex. So it goes hand in hand to them. But if you said you could just have the intimacy or just the sex, most women are choosing the intimacy. Most men are choosing the sex. We don't desire it the same. But now if you tell men that we want it the same, then men don't understand the the emotional factors and mental factors that go into a woman being sexually receptive. They don't understand how he needs to pour into her in those other intimate ways, communication, togetherness, closeness, affection, all these different things. So now when he has that situation where he just wants to sleep with her, to hint to a lot of men, it's like, well, okay, she's enjoying it just like me. I didn't do anything wrong here. Not realizing that he left her completely void in the other areas that she really craved from him. All right. And this pours over into the relationships, which is why in some cases, it's not that the sex wasn't good at some point with them. It's that the man does not know how to continuously activate that sexual desire in her by pouring into her emotionally and mentally. So, again, what if he's emotionally void? If he doesn't know how to communicate his emotions, if he doesn't know how to name them, what if he's void? I I think when a man loves a woman, he's willing to do things he doesn't do for anyone else. So even though he may be... a song. man loves a woman. So I don't... don't, Yes, that is a song. (laughs) So I don't think he's completely void. I just think that, one, a lot of men are just not motivated. So here's the thing. A lot of women... And men have to understand a lot of the issues we're seeing are not because men are bad, women are bad, or this person doesn't know this, that person doesn't know this. It's because you're dealing with the wrong person. And when you're dealing with the wrong person, expect for things to go left. So meaning you can have a man and if he's dating 10 women casually with those 10 women, he's very closed off. He's very emotionally detached because I don't want to get emotionally invested when I'm just trying to be casual and have fun with you. I don't need you getting in your feelings. I don't need you expecting more <laughs> out of me emotionally. And who is he accountable to for that behavior? Well, again, if she's claiming she's okay with the dynamic, why okay. would he think I'm doing something wrong? That's true. And, and so, then he wounds her. Exactly. But that's why I said it's not to his. He doesn't know that because she's claiming I'm good. I can deal with this situation shit. But you know, you're not happy. Now, that same dude who's emotionally detached with those same 10 women, let him meet woman number 11 that he thinks this is my future wife I'm in love with. And he will try. He may not be great at it, but he will try to be more open. He will try to be more expressive. If she says to him, I need this more out of you, he will listen and he will make an attempt to adjust. So when you're not... And then then when she doesn't want him, is he wounded? Absolutely. And this is... This is what happens when the man finally has the woman that he wants and now she rejects him. Going back to what we talked about at the very beginning, he's what I always say behind every player is a story of a man who got played. Okay. All right. You will see many situations where a young man can be raised to be a player. All his uncles like have multiple women, don't ever have just one woman. And yet there will still be an instance where he meets a woman, falls deeply for her and wants to let go of all the women for her. But because he does not know how to handle his emotions, okay, and a lot of women, this goes to the brainwashing again, a lot of women are sold the idea, if he loves you, he's supposed to be perfect with it. He's supposed to be perfect with his expression, with the way he treats you. He's supposed to make no mistakes if he loves you. And if he makes any mistake, that's proof that he's just like the rest of them. 
So now this man who actually loves her, who actually is trying his hardest, makes a mistake because he's human. We all make mistakes. Well, wait a minute. I know. Hold that thought. Okay. Is a mistake that your penis ends up in somebody else's <laughs> vagina? Is that a mistake? Or did it just fall in? Uh, you know, because that's mistake men make a lot of times. Here, here, I know people aren't going to like this, <laughs> okay. but hear me out. Hear me out. There are Cheating is a very case-by-case thing. There are some scenarios where it is an actual mistake. What I mean by that is... Listen, here's what I mean. Okay, I'll give one example. I'm being quiet. All right. And and I'm going to use this example on the woman's side for a second. I know a woman. She was married. She went on a business trip. During the business trip, they all hung out. They were drinking. During that time at the bar, something happened. She ended up kissing one of the guys. Or he kissed her and she kissed back. This wasn't her trying to intentionally go out there and do something. This is something that because you were not mindful of the things that can lead into the got trouble, you, the drinking, the being out late, it led to this. The penis right? just fell into yeah. the vagina. <laughs> now, they didn't have sex. Oh. But the point okay. is, like, it, it can be a mistake in the sense that this was a bad decision. This was a one-off got it. thing. Got it. All right? This is not the same thing as someone carrying on an affair. Okay. So, and the flip side, that he was drinking... Got attracted to somebody, you know, they ended up, you know, under the stairway or in the hotel room or whatever, and the penis just fell into the vagina. <laughs> I get it. Now, now let's talk about the ongoing penis now gets in the car, drives across town, <laughs> picks up, you know, the Chinese food. penis. <laughs> and then, right, the intentional roaming penis. Let's talk about that one. With no integrity, no accountability, because I don't think we finished up our conversation about cheating. Tell me about that penis. Okay. The intentional roaming penis. So again, there's there's layers to this because there are some men who live by the idea that cheating is just what happens. All right. So like, for example, you'll have a man say, well, all men cheat. The minute a man says all men cheat. I know many it's of them. pretty much that that means he's going to he's going to cross that line at some point. All right. He's pretty much telling himself now. There are some men who are telling women, especially in today's world, hey, I don't do monogamy. This is, to me, that's, we can't really classify that as cheating because if you He's go into- it. Yes, it's announced. If we have agreed upon this dynamic, that's, a, that's an alternative relationship. That's something different. But the one who is lying, who is selling monogamy, but then still cheating, for some, again- With no accountability. Well, it's, it's not even just no accountability. The problem is- a lot of men struggle, and this is not to give sympathy to the cheater, this is just the reality of it. A lot of men struggle from walking away from their relationship for various reasons, all right? I've I had, heard you say that online. Yes, I had, I've had. i had tons of men who, who didn't even cheat yet, who will DM me, giving me a laundry list of all the toxic things his yeah. partner does, and say, how do I keep her? <laughs> okay? Yeah. Because here's the question. Is the question that you want to leave or is the question that you don't know how to stay based on what's present? The, so the, it, I'll give one example. Man gets married, has kids with this woman. The sex falls off a cliff. It's damn near non-existent, okay? But this man does not have family elsewhere. This is his world. To him, I'm not going to leave all that I have. Face the prospect of not being with my kids consistently. Face the prospect of any financial ramifications that come from this. Face just all the legal things I have to deal with. If I can just satisfy this urge of attention, affection, sex, whatever, 
somewhere else while maintaining home. That's so the intentional, the intentional roaming penis sometimes is just the release, the the way that we don't lose everything we have. Yes. It, so so he to him, you know, for some men, for some people, they're hoping that the cheating is temporary. Some people cheat with the idea of, okay, I'm gonna do this right now to get this need met. But my hope is that my partner is going to finally come around and we're going to be good and then I can just go back home and I don't got to worry about this anymore. But they don't realize that's only going to prolong the process and chances are it's not going to get fixed if you're out there in these streets, you know, getting your needs met elsewhere. But there are some men who that, yes, they feel like having this supplement of a side woman. You know, there's some men who think the si- having a side chick strengthens the main relationship. And there's some side chicks who are okay being side chicks, but that's a whole nother conversation. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So so to him, it's like, yeah, why, why am I going to throw away everything, everything here that I built just because I need this one need met that my wife is unwilling to fulfill? But then let's add another layer to it. Because as much as people say, why don't you just leave? If a man goes to his friends and family and says, I want to leave because my wife doesn't have sex with me often enough. You know what they say to him? Oh, give her more time. No one says, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead and leave. <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. It's the same thing. If a woman is being sexually neglected or, and not satisfied, she can't go to anyone and say, I, I'm thinking about leaving because he doesn't satisfy me sexually. All they're going to do is try to talk her out of it and tell her why this is normal. So the person feels like my only outlet is just to get the need met and keep this in place. Is that the intentional uh, roaming vagina? Yeah, yes, <laughs> it is. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot more roaming vaginas than I people realize. <laughs> I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. We were talking about accountability. Yes. And I want to say that whether the penis is roaming, the vagina is roaming whether it's a trauma response, Mm -hmm. whether it's a a, a limited emotional vocabulary, we are all going to be held accountable for our behavior. We're going to be held accountable for our choices. We're going to be held accountable for our decisions, which is why it's so important for me that we really start getting some skills and tools so that we can clean up our relationships. Mm -hmm. I'm not even talking just about loving relationships. I'm talking about parental relationships. I'm talking about sibling relationships. I want to teach parents how to parent adult children because some parents treat their adults like they're five and ten. I want to teach adult children how to be in respectful, uh, loving relationships with their parents, you know, because your mother gets on your nerves. You don't cut her off and stop speaking to her and send her a Christmas card in a text. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and because Boo Boo hurt you back in 56, you can't treat Robert badly today. Yeah. And so all of this, it's so complex. And I just think that it's coming to a head because we are being held to a higher standard in the universe. That's just me. I'm old. Help me. No, I I definitely (laughs) think what we're seeing is the combination of just unresolved trauma over the years. Like, a lot of people will say, oh, we need relationships like our grandparents. And I'm like, it's our grandparents' relationships why y'all messed up now. That's right, <laughs> right? the trauma. Like the, the staying together just to stay together but creating a toxic, unhealthy household is what's poured over into these people who have now become dysfunctional adults who now don't know how to handle themselves in a relationship. 
All right. So we have to stop this cycle. But again, it's going to start with individually healing. So a lot of people, they're getting so caught up in the landscape of how it looks with everyone else. These men aren't getting help or these women aren't getting help. But it's like, but have you gotten help? Well, that's what I say. Is it them? Is it me? Is it us? And on that note, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome back to the R Spot. Let's get back to the conversation. Let me ask you a question. What did you have to hear? So let me tell you my first experience with therapy that was what, and was my first thing I had to heal. So I actually was in college. Um, my father had took my car that morning, brought it back, and we had a lot of conflict. And so like, I got so upset Finally get my car back. I'm rushing to school to go take my test. I literally have an emotional breakdown on the highway. Pull over to the what side. What does that look like? I just start crying. I was so mad and I just start crying. And then I was like, yo, if I don't pull over, I'm going to crash. So I pulled over, cried, and I just turned back around, went home. I'm like, I can't go take this test. So I talked to my teacher. And of course, he was skeptical that I'm telling the truth. He thought I just missed the test. He's like, well, if you want to take this uh, final, you have to go to a school counselor. Now, at that time, I didn't believe in therapy. You know how a lot of us in our community are? <laughs> you know, I'm like, all right. I'm and just, a male, too. And a male, oh, too. And a, a, a Caribbean, Latin, and, Yes, oh, Caribbean please. male. <laughs> right. So I'm like, all right, that's what he needs so I can take this test. Fine. I'm going to go knock this out, take this test. We're good. Man, by the time I was done with that session, I was in tears. And I did not realize all that I was holding on to. And it was due to my parents. And it was the fact that just the way that they handled me. Like, I always felt like I was the black sheep, you know? But for me, part of what allowed me to heal was understanding my parents grew up without their parents. My my mom lost both of her parents when she was like three, four years old. My father lost his father when he was like seven and only had his mother. Plus, we're Caribbean. Like, I'm, I'm convinced when you examine any kind of foreign culture households, the households are built on discipline, uh, making something of yourself, respect, it ain't about lovey-dovey and expressing Absolutely. emotions and all and this stuff. And particularly not your ancestral lineage, which is Haitian. Exactly. Because of the brutality uh, that the people in that culture experience. Yeah. So to me, it was like when I start connecting all those dots and, and having that moment to be able to express everything, which is why I believe a lot of people, they struggle with healing because they're not fully releasing all their emotions and how they feel and fully expressing themselves. But me being able to do that, like that was, I, it's almost like it just clicked. Like, oh, wait a minute. 
and I saw everything differently. And now, you know, now I have a, my father had passed in 2007, but my mom's still alive. We have a great relationship, better relationship now than when we were younger. Everything's great. And yeah, that was part of my first experience with needing to heal, you know, and understanding that whole process. And I think that I refined the process even more as I went along because I have a book, Love After Heartbreak, where I break down uh, my healing process uh, that anyone who does it, they're going to see the the positive results. Men or women? Men or women. It's just, it's, it's, it's a heavy experience. It's a heavy... Oh, tell me about it. So, for example, the first step is what I call the who hurt me list. Get a piece of paper, write who hurt me, and ask yourself that question. Who hurt me? Okay, did you hear that? That's an assignment from our guest today. Get a piece of paper, and you want to create a who hurt me list. And I want to add to that, what hurt me? Exactly. Because sometimes it's not a who, it's what the who did. Yes, Okay. exactly. So you will add that to each person, each situation. So now we can identify because there's a lot of people, if they just asked themselves that question and wrote it down, they might be shocked who makes that list because yeah. they've been suppressing things for so long. Yeah. But it's almost like you're calling out the trauma when you ask that question yeah. and it hears it and it starts coming, coming you yeah. know. So now, all right, now we have our list. So then we have to, uh, let's say we choose someone. So this kind of goes back to picking that one thing out of the closet. So let's say we start with the mother because I found... We talk about daddy issues a lot, but mommy issues are She's so a beast. prevalent. She's a beast. Okay? I tell you, because when mama break your heart, it is shattered. Yes. Daddy may break it in half. Daddy may shred it. But when mama breaks your heart, there are shards yes. of, that go everywhere. And ask me how I know. It, ask me. <laughs> how do you know? <laughs> I had three children. That's how I know. <laughs> and, and not to mention what also compounds the issue is that we are more afraid of expressing our disappointment, hurt, resentment towards our mothers That's than right. our fathers. That's right. We'll attack the hell of our, out yeah, of our fathers. Yeah. But our mothers, is like, I don't want to hurt her She's a sacred feelings. cow. Yes. She's a sacred cow. Exactly. So in this process, we do two drafts. We do, we're going to write a letter. The first draft is just you letting everything out. It's, Venting. It's, yes. It's essentially an emotional detox. you got to flush it out. Because what people do is they'll say, well, I talked to my mother before. No, you had your moment of lashing out. You said a few <laughs> things, but you didn't get everything out. Or you wrote a letter, but in writing that letter, you tried to find the right things edited. to say. You edited. Exactly. So you were softer with what you... So you didn't let the raw emotion that needs to be purged out of your system out. So that first draft is a purging of it. So I don't care if you're insulting her, wishing death on her. I don't care what evil thing comes out of you because it needs to come out. You, you know, I say that to people. My mother was an alcoholic who died when I was two. Nobody ever bothered to tell me that until I was 30. Mm. So I was raised, and you know, for me, lying in a relationship, that's the kryptonite. Don't lie to me. But um, when I found out at 30 that my mother had died and the woman who raised me wasn't my mother, blah, blah, blah. But the thing was, my mother was an alcoholic. And when I started hearing the stories about it, you know, first of all, I was so heartbroken that my mother had died. Then I was pissed off, you know. So in the pissosity <laughs> is where I could tell the truth. And I will say, you know, in my healing, I said my mother was a pissy drunk, mm -hmm. a fall-down pissy drunk. Now, I can say that about her. 
You can't say that yeah, yeah, about yeah. that. But, but it was in that level of telling the rot gut truth yes. about how I felt mm-hmm. that I could get the feelings up to even get to the sadness of, oh, damn, my mama died. Exactly. And all this time, I thought it was just my father's unaccountability, irresponsibility, lack of integrity when he was grieving the fact that the love of his life died and left him with two children. Mm-hmm. Well, I won't bother to mention that my mother was the other woman. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> and that he had a wife around the corner. <laughs> but okay. So that that part of it, of, of identifying who hurt you and what hurt you. Yes. What hurt me was that nobody told me the truth. Mm-hmm. So for those of you doing this exercise, writing your who hurt me list, your what hurt me list, have a glass of water nearby. Why? Because water will soak up the energy. Uh, and again, I want you to get sun salutations and listen to it. Some of the meditations in there because we don't want you to hurt yourself. Yeah. Or just go get you a counselor or therapist. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> and, and let me just say, in getting a counselor or therapist, and this is, I, I have love for all people who are helping others work through issues and heal. Counselors, therapists, coaches. But I think a lot of people don't realize they're going to some of these therapists and it's just a venting session. Yeah. Nothing's being resolved. Nothing's being healed. They're just learning how to cope and manage. And And because in many cases, my experience is because these are the ones I get, the therapists haven't done their work. (laughs) There you go. The coaches haven't done their work. First of all, coaches shouldn't, you can't coach trauma. mm -hmm. That has to be healed, resolved. That's therapy. That's counseling. You cannot coach trauma because for me, coaching is you got to have a vision. You got to be able to articulate it. So whether it's relationship coaching, healing coaching, whatever, trauma has some tentacles mm-hmm. that may require a deeper, a deeper dive. So if you get a counselor who hasn't done their work, you're in trouble. Yeah, exactly. So I just want people to be mindful of that, that, all right, go to your counselor, go to your therapist, but... If you notice after a few sessions, you're just talking, 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 and you're not actually flushing anything out and, and making some progress, then maybe you just need to go to a different one. You know, that's all it is. Don't stop trying to get assistance. Just make sure you're getting effective assistance. But going back to the letter, yeah, so you do the first draft, you let everything out. And I always tell people, you're going to feel like a weight come off your shoulders just doing that first initial draft. But in the second draft, I always tell them to, you know, pray. Get yourself to a level place and then read the letter to yourself as if you were that person. So in this example, put yourself in your mother's shoes, read a letter. And now anything that comes off as attacking, condescending, blatantly insulting, you change it. You're not changing your message. You're just changing the delivery of your message. And the purpose of this exercise is, one, we have to learn how to take that anger and raw emotion and deliver it in a more effective manner in our relationships, all right? Communicate it in a way that it can be received. Yes, because when people feel attacked, they will defend themselves. That is just human nature. I don't care who you are. That's right. So you have to learn how to deliver the message properly. And this exercise will help you with that because that's a lot of raw emotion to take and then turn around, which is also another reason why I, I tell a lot of people, even in your current relationships, romantic ones or whatever, if you have deep issues and concerns to express, write a letter. And then you guys can talk about the letter. Because 
When you're trying to express these deep things in verbal communication, it typically goes left. People get defensive, they deflect, you might get distracted, you get scared and don't get everything out. So you don't really accomplish the true goal. But with a letter, people have time to process. And when, see, when people are listening to you verbally, they're listening to respond. Well, they're listening to respond, right. And they're listening from their defensive posture. Exactly. But when they're reading a letter, they're listening to understand or they're reading to understand. They're taking it in because now it's not an, they don't have to react in the moment. That's right. So that allows them to sit with what you're saying a little bit longer. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, we know there's going to be exceptions. There's going to be exceptions, you know. But yeah, so now we clean up the second letter. And then from there, I always tell people, all right, pray and, and ask God if you should send the letter. Let's talk about building a relationship from spiritual principles as opposed to building one on a human condition. Okay. So one, I believe that having a spiritual foundation is so important because as you alluded to, as you mentioned, it creates accountability in the relationship, a greater level of accountability but not just a great level of accountability, it kind of creates a different focal point. Meaning, I think the mistake that we make in relationships is that <clears throat> we we are making our actions based off of their actions. So if they talk to us funny today, now I'm going to talk to them funny. I, I'm, I'm going to start acting crazy because they're acting crazy or they're not doing this for me, so I'm not going to do that for them. But if you are honoring God, and God wants you to handle things a certain kind of way, it's easier for you to say, all right, I I show up the right way in this relationship because I'm honoring God and I'm honoring the blessing God gave me and you are the beneficiary of it. So even in your moments where you fall short, I'm held to the standard of making sure I'm making God happy with my actions. You're accountable you. to something greater exactly. than yourself. Exactly. And it's just that I think we have to learn to not just make it about what our partner is or isn't doing in every single moment because, listen, they're go- we're human. We're going to have moments we fall short. We're going to have moments we make mistakes. But when you have that spiritual foundation, you can then go back to God and say, how do you want me to proceed? How do you want me to handle this situation? You know, like I tell people, pray before you react, hmm. you know? Because it will make such a huge difference in how you navigate that current situation because sometimes it's an easily fixable situation. But what we do is we react based on our human perception of things and we add fuel to the fire and now it goes way further left than it ever needed to go. And now we have to work not to just fix the initial issue, but all the issues we piled on on top of it because we didn't allow God to guide us in that moment. That's it. To stick to the principles, because that's what I teach, spiritual law and principle. Last week when we were talking, we talked about cheating. And you said that the very often people make the cheating about the cheater and not about the one who was cheated on. Mm-hmm. When you have a spiritual structure that you're relating in, building your marriage in, um, and cheating violates the principle, mm-hmm. what do you do with that? Well, again, I think first, and this is not to take any pressure off the cheater, but I want to be real because I feel like if we're going to solve this issue, we have to address all the different angles. So... One, I believe that neglect is as bad of a violation as cheating. 
neglect blatant neglect such as such as sexual it, neglect emotional it, neglect exactly. physical neglect and okay. and we're being more specific by saying it has been communicated to you it's one thing when you were not aware okay then that's something different but when you are being told this is a problem over and over and over again so i use this analogy it's almost like if a mother had a son and she said you can only eat in this house you can't eat anywhere else all right i will feed you you'll be good Monday comes, I'm tired today. Just wait till tomorrow, I'll feed you. Tuesday comes, I, I don't got the food yet. Just give me some more time. We're now on day five. I'm horrified <laughs> as a mother. No, listen, the baby hungry. Yes, the baby's hungry. It's day five. The child's walking down the street. Someone sees the malnourished child and says, boy, would you like a sandwich? Now in his head, he's thinking, I'm not supposed we'll to eat me. anywhere else, but damn, I'm hungry. I'll take a bite. It can't hurt. He gets home. How could you have eaten someone else? What How did I dare tell you? you? What did I tell you? But you starved him for five days. Got it. That is a beautiful. Did y'all hear that? All you R Spot listeners out there, hear what he's saying. It goes both ways. Yes, it goes both when ways. When a man says, you know, all you ever do is tell me what I didn't do right. You're never are grateful for what I did do. When a man says to you, um, you don't hear me either when a man says to you, as a woman, I'm saying, when a man says to you, you're not there for me. Here, and now the next thing you know, he got Tallulah around the corner. <laughs> Him and the independent roaming penis is mm -hmm. around the corner. Or men, my brothers, when a woman says to you, you don't take what I feel seriously. Or when a woman says to you, you're not here for me when I need you. And now she's up the street with bad boy, you know, bad boy Bruce <laughs> <laughs> or whatever his name is, you know. That is so incredible. Neglect, when you've been told and you don't address it, could manifest as the roaming peak exactly. body parts. And I think going back to the initial question of what do you do when the violation occurs, so let's just assume there wasn't neglect. Let's just assume that in this scenario, this person just stepped out. So one, I, I think, again, we have to understand that there are some examples of cheating where it's a symptom of two people who don't belong together. Okay. And then there's others where it's a symptom of something broken within the relationship between two people who can work together. Mm -hmm. All right. So we that's why we have to go deeper into each situation to understand which one are we really dealing with? Because, for example... You'll have a woman that'll say, oh, this man cheated on me and, and um, you know, she's contemplating repeatedly. leaving him. Re let's say repeatedly. And and let's just say he he's arguing that this is just one time thing, whatever. But I'm like, OK, wait a minute. Put the cheating to a side. Let's look at the rest of the relationship. He neglects you. You've been unhappy. The household is toxic. Cheating or not, this is a bad relationship. Okay, and now those you, are the clues. Yes, okay. you're so focused on the cheating, but this is a bad relationship. Now let's flip it. Cheating occurred, but when we look at the relationship, everything is amazing. Everything is great. So maybe this is just an isolated issue that we just need to discuss. How did we get here? Why did this happen? Because everything else we have going on is good. Now, in the, in the, the idea of violation spiritually, and the breach of trust. The breach of trust. Well, guess what? We sin every day. I ain't talking about sinning. Uh, no, listen. <laughs> no, no. You got, you got, from a principal standpoint, you got to understand what I'm going, going with here. 
we we break and, and we violate say, trust. We violate God's trust in that sense. We violate the principles of what we're supposed to uphold. Does it you had automatically to put it like mean... that? Did you have to say that? <laughs> you like, better believe we it. violate God's trust in us every day. Yes. Oh Lord. And but the and the only reason why I believe that God has given us grace because He knows as human beings we're gonna fall short. Yeah, absolutely. And without grace, none of us would make it past this level. Okay. I think that we need to extend that grace to each other in a lot of situations. Again, it's not to make cheating okay. It's to understand rather than making this about this is a horrible person or whatever the case may be, the bottom line question is, do we fit together and can we make this work? Is this fixable or not? If it is not, then this is just the time. This is our chance to break free. I've said to people before, I said some of y'all needed to be cheated on. Yeah. Because Me if too. you weren't, you would have never walked away from this unhealthy ass relationship. Listen, I for me, you know, the roaming penis and what it does, that's not the issue for me. Mm -hmm. You cannot measure the depth of sexual interaction. What what really did the person do? This is what it is for me in the cheating. That you breach your own personal integrity, not by having sex. But by having sex and then coming and looking me in my face and lying to me, mm -hmm. that's a problem yeah. to me. Because now I'm wondering, okay, now who are you? Because you're dangerous. But let me ask you're you You're dangerous. If, I, if you can look me in my face and lie to me about where you've been, what you're doing, and if you would do that, I'm talking man-woman. I'm sure it goes on in same-sex relationships too. Yeah. But man-to-woman, I want to know what the lie you're telling my sister that's making her okay with this. Mm -hmm. Are you telling her we're separated? Are you telling her I'm dead? Are you telling her I'm not giving you none? What are you telling her? So what challenges me is the lies that you tell that compromise your personal integrity as a man. That's my problem. Go get as much nookie as you want. That's your business. <laughs> you and the Roman penis can have fun out there, whip it up on a horse. I really don't care. It's that part that I that's dangerous. So, and this may or may not apply to your experiences. But a lot of women, you you self-identified as an alpha woman. A lot of women who are alpha women or in that mold, they don't realize that the energy that they're giving off it's draws them. Yes, and it draws in the man who has no vision. That's right. Who lacks, That's right. Who lacks Absolutely. purpose. I, I hear you. And he wants you because you give him, him stability. That's right. That's he doesn't right. have to give you the stability. That's right. And so for a lot of women, they fall into the trap of this feels good because this kind of man is more available to give you attention, to listen to all these things. Ain't nobody more available than a broke man. Okay, right? that's right. <laughs> so this dude is just free to pour into you and it feels great. But over time, you're waiting for him to take to the man on and step right. up and he's never developed that. And the only way to receive that man who has those skills from the jump is to be able to exude that feminine energy, is to be able to walk in that power that that kind of man is going to be drawn to. And I think a lot of women will say to me, well, I'm feminine when I'm in the relationship. Okay, that's great. But if he can't see that before he gets that far, why would he even try to talk to you? Yeah. He'll just go to somebody else who's exuding that energy that he wants. I learned the hard way though, Stefan. I learned, I le I'm gonna tell you how I learned. I was married. Didn't understand who I was as an alpha woman and what that energy was. And and so, uh, and I made more money. Um, 
And even though I really work to be a soft place for him to fall, you know, the ego is is a big thing. And so it all happened around a Christmas tree. Mm. We we agreed that, because uh, I didn't do, he didn't do Christmas. He did Kwanzaa. I okay. did Christmas. I'm like a I don't know what it is. I just like Christmas. <laughs> I don't have no problem with Kwanzaa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have my Kenora and all my, you know, my things. But so we agreed that we would do, he would do Christmas and I would do Kwanzaa. He would get me what I needed for Christmas. I would get him what he needed for Kwanzaa. So I had the, the Kenora and the candles and the Zawadi and everything. And he would get the Christmas tree. So this one particular year, I um, went out and I saw this Christmas tree, the Christmas tree of life. Mm-hmm. This Christmas tree <laughs> was plopped down out of heaven just for me. Okay. okay. I'm talking a spruce pine, full, no. So I saw the Christmas tree and I go and I say to the man, how much is this tree? And he tells me. And um, I, I said, please, can I give you a deposit? I want you to hold this tree. I'm going to go home. My husband's going to come and get it. And I, I buy my tree there every year. Mm-hmm. So he said, go ahead. Let me. Tell him to come on and pick it up. I'll hold it for you till tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I go home totally excited, totally excited about this Christmas tree. And I tell him, and he said, well, how much is it? I said, $80. He said, I ain't paying no $80 for no Christmas tree. Oh, but I want it. I why do we have to have an $80 Christmas tree? Well, it's not that it's $80. It's that it's perfect. It's a point in the thing, and with it, there's no cones falling off the floor. <laughs> I'm not paying no $80 for no Christmas tree. I said, but why? I want it. <laughs> <laughs> and he wouldn't go get it. So at first I was, you know, heartbroken. And then I got pissed off. Mm-hmm. And then I was in the car, me and the ego. And it just took over my brain. <laughs> <laughs> it just consumed the goodness of me as a woman of spirit and God and love. And I went and bought my Christmas tree. Mm. And so... In his attempt to please me, he went and bought a Christmas tree. Bottom line, we ended up with two Christmas trees. Oh, wow. And mine was the perfect spruce pine. His was a Kwanzaa bush. (laughs) 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 With uneven branches. (laughs) It was was terrible. (laughs) So when we... He had the tree, I had the tree, and I was being totally rebellious and defiant and controlling and totally unsubmitted. It really did hurt me, though. And he couldn't hear me. Yeah. If this is what you want, and our agreement is, I'll get you what you want for Christmas. He had a beautiful Kenora. I had wonderful flowers. I mean, candles. I had the basket for the Zawadi. I had everything for his Kwanzaa. I didn't ask him what he, you know, I didn't complain about how much. I want this $80 Christmas tree. And when he didn't buy it and the ego took over, I bought it myself. So we had these two Christmas trees in the house. I decorated both. But when I saw his face, when he saw that tree I had bought, I not only saw his face, I felt, I, the only word I can think of is destruction. Mm. It destroyed something in him. That broke my heart. And we never recovered. We never recovered from a freaking Christmas tree. And I mean, because at the end of it, it boiled down to you felt like he dismissed how you feel and you weren't heard. And he felt like you didn't respect him. 
absolutely. Oh, I'm clear about that. But it taught me. Yeah. It taught me how to contain my alphaness. And it taught me, because see, I could have got that Christmas tree in the bed. <laughs> okay? And you know what? And I'm, I'm so... I, if I had been conscious, I would have worked that bedroom, them sheets, the pillowcases, the, <laughs> the bed cover, everything. I would have had that tree and its mama. And, and that's the thing that a lot of women do not understand. Your feminine energy is power. Power doesn't simply mean you have to do everything the man says. Power means you can dictate certain things by turning up your feminine energy a few more notches. And that feminine energy yeah. is just the biggest thing that women can learn to tap into everywhere that would get them so much more out of life. Are you married? Yes or no? <laughs> rapid fire, rapid fire. So no, I'm not married. And for all of the single women who want to be available when you your intuition kicks in and you start, where can they find you? Just in general in life, where do people go to find they you? They go to StephanSpeechShop.com. <laughs> StephanSpeechShop.com. Yeah, they can find all my books and links to the YouTube and everything and like that. And you're on tour now. Your name of your tour is Heal My People, right? Yeah, I'm on tour with Dr. Bobby Price. Yes. Uh, the Heal My People tour, talking about relationships, trauma, you know, eating right, just overall health, and just trying to get people on that better path. Because 2024 is an eight-year power, and everything that we... Everything's going to be intensified. Your mm -hmm. dysfunction, your trauma, your power, your money, uh, your, your purpose. Everything is going to be intensified in 2024. So I'm really glad that you're here. I thank you for taking this time. I'm, I'm too old for you. So <laughs> even if your intuition tells you I'm the one, tell your intuition you can't obey. <laughs> 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 I thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. As an elder, as a yay-yay, as a, a grandma, I want you to know that you've got somebody praying for you. Thank you. I appreciate your work. I see you on purpose. And I'm just so excited to be able to have this intergenerational conversation. Absolutely. You know, I, I could probably be your mother's mother. <laughs> I know I look fly and everything. But, um. So please know that and know that anytime you need me, a shoulder to cry on, insight, information, I'm just a call away. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> this has been the R Spot. I've had the most absolutely glorious time with my guest, Stefan. Um, not for one session, but for two. I don't know what y'all got out of it. I really don't even care. I do hope you do remember the independently roaming penis and the independently <laughs> roaming vagina. Those are the teachings that happen when you have a human-based rather than a spirit-based relationship. When you're leaning on your trauma instead of on your accountability and your responsibility. When you're being in your human as opposed to in a higher purpose and all of these things uh, Stefan and I have talked about whatever you're doing, whatever you're in, whatever you're calling forth in 2024, it is going to be intensified. So Stefan and myself and so many others of us out here want you to be in alignment in your relationship with yourself, your relationship with your creator, your relationship with your partner, your children, your parents and the earth. So do the work. Do the work, do the work, do the work. 
and get yourself in order. Um, yeah, because I want you to be in peace and not in pieces. I'll see you next time right here on the Art Spot. Bye. The R Spot is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd.